Email todayradio at rte.ie. Now, some of your texts to 51551 about that issue of uh, the arts and what can and cannot happen in terms of arts events. Uh, one person says, Sarah, no consideration to all the drama dance classes that can't take place due to the six people indoors, while at the same time groups can go to the shopping centres, etc. Lots of children take part in these classes around the country for which it may be their only activity outside school and they need this outlet. That comes from Brian in Nace. Meanwhile, uh, Declan McCarthy has texted. He says, I'm the director of Skibber Arts Festival. Having cancelled our festival at the end of July, we had planned to stage a smaller, socially distanced uh, localised event at the end of this month. We cancelled these plans on Tuesday night, reinstated them last night and now have to cancel them again. Appalling lack of clarity and empathy from our government says Declan McCarthy. And one more person for now, this comes from David. He says, would the government, before they announce changes, not look at the anomalies created by their decisions and prepare explanations? Speed of communication, says David, is important, but so is clarity so please do keep your texts coming to 51551. Now, Alcohol Action Ireland has accused the government of inertia because it has not stopped some retailers using the lure of cheap alcohol to drive footfall with the to drive footfall with the lobby group warning that harmful amounts of alcohol can be bought for little more than five euro. It also says a man could drink the weekly low risk limit of 17 standard drinks for as little as seven euro sixty five. This calls into question uh, the issue once again surrounding the minimum pricing for alcohol. So we're going to look at that issue, but first I'm joined on the line by Cyril Macquarie, who's a recovering alcoholic and also publisher of the Hotel and Restaurant Times. And I'm also joined by Michael Gearin, who's a senior addiction therapist with Coon Wera Cho, which is an, an MNG counselling. And thank you all very much for joining me this morning. Um, we wanted to talk to yourself, Cyril Macquarie, this morning, because I know public health is a priority and there's been a lot of things closed down as a result of that but one of the things that has obviously suffered is meetings for people who are suffering from addictions such as addiction to alcohol drugs gambling or or other things such as that and I know that you were a regular attendee of Alcoholics Anonymous meetings before the pandemic hit is that right? That's correct Sarah good morning to you and your listeners. So can you tell us a little bit then about those meetings and how much they have meant to you over your journey? Okay well, I suppose, you know, when I was in treatment back in 1991, it was impressed upon me the importance of fellowship meetings and was warned about complacency that if, you know, the only thing that I had to look out for was complacency in regard to my recovery, but that if I went to my meetings, it would help. And they did, you know, I, I'm 29 years sober this month, thank God, a day at a time, but I wouldn't be here except for the meetings. They're a critical part of my regime you know, they're, they're, they're my lifeblood. I mean, there's somewhere I can go and express what's going on for me, you know, share my feelings, share my emotions, get support and get, you know, get just to, just get that sense of community that I'm not alone and, and I'm not so strange after all, you know what I mean? Because in the early days of addiction, you do feel that, you know, nobody else has this problem and you're very much isolated and, you know, it's almost secretive. You're almost ashamed in the part of comments to say you're an alcoholic. You know, it's like there's a tag on it where um, the reality is, for me, it was a case of some people, I say, have allergies to wheat germ or um, lactose or whatever else it is. Mine is alcohol and that's it. And I accept that and I get on with life. But without the meetings, it's critical. And it's it's bizarre the way that there's no clarity in regard to these meetings and they're not seen as an important element in recovery 
from, from a health perspective, they're not seen as an important issue with regard to mental health issues. And the government, you know, when there's more concern about the pubs opening, and I'm not anti-drink, by the way, but there's more concern about the pubs opening, the more debate on that. There was the ironic part that during the lockdown, the, we were told that essential business will be left open and off licenses are open. So I wonder, like, how they f- fell into that re- realm of, you know, you know, businesses that had to be open during the pandemic. Mm. Can you tell me then when you heard on Tuesday night that the meetings were going to be cancelled again because of the latest restrictions? How did you feel about that? Well, I, I'm, I suppose I'm, I'm fortunate that I, I can use the Zoom meetings and have used and have I probably enough recovery in me to be able to accept that. But for somebody in the early days of their recovery, Zoom meetings probably wouldn't be as advantageous to them as going into a physical room to meet other people. If the, as I say, it's unknown how it works, but it does work, that physical connection, as in, I'm not saying touching or that there, but mm. just being in a room with like-minded people. It's a different scenario. It's, it's a different experience. And, you know, it, 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 as I say, the Zoom meetings don't give you that same connection as you get by meeting people in a, in a, in a, in a physical state. And how important then, because you mentioned people who are in the early stages of, the, of recovery, how important are the meetings for them, do you think? Well, the meetings are crucial for everybody, but especially, especially people in the early days of recovery, because they're in a state of confusion. It's all very strange to them. They're, they're, they're probably full of, of remorse and guilt and all those issues that we all had in the early days of recovery. And sometimes it's hard to, to sort of process them. In the rooms you can share or you'll hear people sharing similar situations and you learn, it's like it's like an education, you learn how to deal with situations, you, you learn that it's not such a strange thing, not, not such a strange thing to have those those feelings or those emotions or that, that sense of remorse and how best to do it and, you know, sometimes people have what they call reckless honesty and they want to sort of flagellate themselves and tell everything which isn't always good that you need to be very careful of what you say in the early days of recovery that you don't injure people or others and you, in essence you get you get a program for living the 12-step program it's for living and it makes total sense when you're in the rooms but you don't get that sense of the 12-step on the on the zoom meeting so would you be worried then uh, given your experience with with all of this Cyril that because the, the meetings were cancelled during the height of the pandemic and now that they've been cancelled again that that will lead to some people returning to to alcohol or other addictions I, I genuinely have a, a concern and I do think I, I, I'm sure there are statistics out there that will show that the, there are more people now having problematic having problems at drink with alcohol. There are probably more people who have re, unfortunately relapsed, and there are other more serious issues with regard to relapse. I mean, like you know that I don't want to talk about, but there are you know there there are people who do go to take drastic measures in relapse. You know, so it, it is it, it it really is crucial. It's it's, it's you know, and, and the disappointing thing is that nobody, the Department of Health and nobody else, like, you know, Minister Donnelly and nobody else has, has addressed this or even looks at it, doesn't mm. consider it. I mean, and it's not just AA. There are, there are, there are other fellowships like GANA and those there that have the same problem. And people in recovery need support. I mean, you know, the, 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 the health services will be overwhelmed with people, you know, who, who go back drinking and things like that there. And, but before the pressure if there is a second or third phase of, of this pandemic, you know. All right. Well, as I said, we're also joined on the line by uh, Michael Gearin, who is a senior addiction therapist. Um, Michael, what has been your experience in terms of how people have been affected by the lockdown? Um, 
Good morning, Sarah. And again, going back to what Cyril just said there, there is a lot of, we're encountering a lot of frustration from past clients who would fall into that um, time frame of being about two years or less out of residential rehab over the fact that there are no peer support fellowship meetings available to them on a person-to-person basis. And he was absolutely correct in what he was saying. At that very early vulnerable stage of recovery, um, Zoom meetings and any other such virtual contact would be a very poor substitute for the person-to-person interaction and the identification that you would get at fellowship meetings such as Alcoholics Anonymous. So we have a lot of clients that we are trying to support from a distance in the community because our community-based aftercare services and stuff it would appear discontinued after the change in the guidelines this week. Um, we were on the points of opening everything up again, but obviously because of the increase in the virus numbers and the change in the government guidance, that will not happen. Um, and things like Alcoholics Anonymous are an integral part of the recovery process and the lifestyle for people who come to services like ourselves and then go back out into the community and attempt to develop an alternative way of living because that's essentially what recovery is. Uh, would it be your experience then, Michael, that during the, the last couple of months people have turned more to drink or, or other, other uh, substances? Yeah, we believe that a good deal of substance misuse has taken place during the lockdown and we do believe within that overarching phrase of substance misuse there has been a spike or a resurgence in alcohol-only abuse. And alcohol-only abuse in Ireland was something that was kind of under decline up until now um, because we were seeing more multiplicities of substance misuse. But lately, we are seeing a lot of people contacting us who are speaking to us about their problematic drinking or the problematic drinking of a loved one. Um, And they are linking that with the lockdown and with the, the... unholy amounts of of alcohol that were purchased in off licenses and multiple retailers at a very cheap price which I know is something else you're covering on your show this morning. Yes well actually on on that point uh, that very point I'm joined by Patricia Callan as well who is Director of Drinks Industry Ireland Um, and uh, as I was saying uh, Patricia Alcohol Action Ireland has accused the government of inertia in relation to to, uh, the sale of cheap alcohol driving footfall saying that a man can drink the weekly low risk limit of 17 standard drinks for as little as 7.65 is it time to look again at minimum pricing for alcohol well certainly from the industry perspective we've always had a long held position that there should be a ban on below cost selling because obviously retailers are up uh, at their discretion setting prices and they do so for many different reasons uh, and that's all around the total grocery shop and attracting people to their stores so certainly there is certainly a need uh, for, for uh, measures in this regard. In relation to MUP specifically, it is a measure that is now in law under the Public Health Alcohol Act and we're awaiting the government uh, to, to give us a commencement notice in terms of when that will be implemented. But they have been very clear uh, and indeed there's good economic reasons for this that they will do so in line with Northern Ireland and that's because of the massive cross-border trade that we already experience here in Ireland. So we have an existing price differential north-south of 27% and uh, an economic analysis that was done by IBEX's chief economist uh, last year showed that, in essence, that price differential would result in a loss of €94 
million to the Irish Exchequer with a Brexit trade deal, which is now looking very unlikely, and actually 180 million loss uh, in the event of a no deal. So at the time, the Taoiseach, uh, um, Leo Radker, said, well, look, there's no point in us exporting our problem. If people are simply going north to buy drink and then bringing it back here, the Exchequer loses out, the retailers lose out, but we're not solving our public health problem. Right. So I, I think you... that's a very uh, rational uh, way. And I know that in the north, All right. they have Can now announced that they're if going we're to talking have about um, if we're talking about rational decisions, Cyril just made the point there about essential businesses being allowed to remain open during the pandemic, um, making the point that alcoholic anonymous meetings weren't regarded as essential, but leaving off licenses open was. Can you understand that? Do you think that's rational? No, I don't. And obviously, that's up to the government to decide. I, I absolutely have huge sympathy for Cyril and for, for all colleagues. And I think certainly anyone who is suffering uh, from alcohol misuse needs to get the proper support and treatment. Um, overall, the total volumes of alcohol consumption actually did fall. Uh, the revenue figures that were out for the last quarter show that consumption fell by 8% in total. And obviously, as we know, uh, with all, all of the pubs uh, closed for the majority of that time and still half the pubs, 3,500 still closed, there has been a massive decline uh, in, in certain products. Uh, some of that did move so sorry, to the entree, but not all. Sorry, overall alcohol uh, falling, the sales of alcohol, does that include the pubs? That, that figure that you're talking yes, about? Yes, the total. Okay. The total so that, that's hardly surprising given so every pub in the country was drunk, closed. Yeah. No, overall people have drunk less during this period of sure, time. But, but all the pubs in the country were closed, move. Patricia. So. Precisely, yeah, absolutely. And yeah. obviously that had a so massive impact on you producers have who produced draft the, beer and draft cider. Sure, you would have expected the sales of alcohol to fall very dramatically given all the pubs in the country were closed, but they haven't fallen very dramatically, which would suggest people are buying quite a lot of alcohol then from off-licenses. Um, do you think something should be done in relation to off-licenses to curb the amount of alcohol alcohol and cheap alcohol that they're selling to customers, given the, the problems that we're seeing with house parties, the problems that we're seeing in terms of what Michael Guerin is talking about, people turning again to alcohol substance abuse. Yes, and it's very easy. The government in the morning could issue a ban on below-cost selling. That's within its current remit under existing legislation. Uh, the government, in pursuing free competition policy a number of decades ago now, decided to actually get rid of that. So that's an immediate measure. Uh, and certainly, as I say, into the longer term, minimum unit pricing will be coming in, but it's important that that's done with the North. Yes. And it's also important that we're given notice, sufficient notice to get ready for it, because you can't just turn a switch in business and things turn around. Sure. As we know, through COVID and all of the issues around reopening, we need notice for planning and that's the most important part All right, Patricia, but certainly we'll, we do we'll not support uh, alcohol uh, alcohol misuse in any shape or form people should uh, be educated and drink within the guidelines that's really important Patricia Callan Director of Drinks Industry Ireland thank you very much for joining us and also Cyril Macquarie who is a recovering alcoholic and also publisher of the Hotel and Restaurant Times and also Michael Guerin Senior Addiction Therapist uh, with Coon Wera Cho we're back, back after this Today with Sarah McInerney on RTE Radio 1